Welcome to the One and O podcast, hosted by Joe Cook and Brad Kellner. The One and O podcast is part of the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast channel, and today we are back and we are going to discuss a lot of Texas Longhorns football. Camp has been underway for about two weeks. We've got injuries, we've got some developments, we've got a lot of different stuff, and we even got some reaction from the uh, open practice that I was able to attend. So, BK, I know you've been uh, paying a little bit more attention to the professional ranks, but uh, what what are you thinking so far, and what you've been able to observe, uh, you know, from Houston and as far as uh, the Longhorns this this preseason? Well, I'll tell you what, Joe. I was in Vegas this past weekend, staying at the uh, staying at the Circus Sportsbook, and on Friday night, so before the scrimmage on Saturday, on Friday night, I put a couple of hundred dollars on the under. Eight and a half wins for the Longhorns in 2022. The uh, quote unquote emotional hedge, as you called it. And for me, it was more of a realistic thought. Like, I just, I didn't think this was a team capable of winning nine or more games. Now, do they have talent? Absolutely. But this was a five and seven team a year ago. For me, there were more questions than answers. So I didn't think this was a team that was going to hit that over eight and a half number. And then Saturday happens and I felt even worse, and now I feel even worse about where Texas is. I feel better about my bets, but I don't want to win that bet. I want to give that money away. I'd prefer my alma mater and my favorite team to have a successful season and get to nine wins or more. But, man, it just – I hope Saturday wasn't a premonition of what's about to come, Joe. I hope that wasn't foreshadowing for, like, hey, maybe you guys should stop sipping the Kool-Aid a little bit. Like, uh, there are still some issues with your football team. So, Saturday sucked, man. Saturday really, really sucked. Uh, didn't get the reports. You guys were all over it at Inside Texas. Obviously, the injuries was the biggest concern, but uh, the quarterback reports that I heard stemming from that scrimmage weren't as good as I wanted them to be. So, uh, unfortunately, as we sit just a couple of weeks away from week one, I, I still have more questions than answers about this Longhorn football team. Yeah, we'll go to Saturday. Uh, the injuries are, are what you're talking about, making you think about that under eight. Uh, Isaiah Nayor, non-contact ACL out for the year, huge. I mean, he was going to be the guy that made thing, life easier for Xavier Worthy, or you know, maybe Xavier Worthy was going to be the guy who made life easier for Isaiah Nayor. But that was a guy who was going to be relied upon for a lot this year. Uh, we're going to have to wait till next year to see him. And Junior Angulal, who, although is, he's been a starter ever since his redshirt freshman year, he's been a steady guy there. He's got his ups, he's got his downs, but definitely someone who you you look to and even with this uh freshman class of offensive linemen thought you know what his spot's probably safe like he's probably going to hold on to it now that freshman class of offensive linemen they got another spot to, to try and go after and then Rashawn Johnson the team leader uh the number one guy on the team as far as leadership uh he was at that open practice last night uh in flats no brace no anything so maybe just a, a short thing that'll have him in, in, in Steve Sarkeesian at least claim that it'd be back in time uh, for week one. We'll see if that holds true. But uh, I mean, just Nayor and Angulao, those are those are big, big pieces right there. And then, like you mentioned, you talk about that scrimmage, uh, the first of preseason camp and probably one where Steve Sarkeesian wanted to see better play from his quarterbacks. Well, his quarterbacks gave the ball away a few times. Uh, his offense gave the ball away. Uh, three interceptions, I think. Of course, that's over 100 plays. Uh, so, you know, you have to take it with that in mind. But seven turnovers over 100 plays, four fumble or four forced fumbles. So potential for seven turnovers, you know, kind of uh, that, that's not a good number. But you look on the other side, like, all right, the defense is forcing turnovers. Secondary is <laughs> finding the ball. Like, 
getting after the quarterback, you know, that type of thing. You 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 take the good and the bad, you know, as good as one does, the, the other team, the other unit's doing worse. And uh, But the defense forced some turnovers. Usually whenever uh, we get to a certain point in the year, I ask uh, the head coach just kind of straight up, How's tackling? Uh, and that's something I want to see, uh, you know, coming up tomorrow uh, or I guess Thursday, whenever we get another chance to Steve Sarkeesian or some players. Uh, but yeah, news out of the weekend wasn't good, not only on the injury front, uh, one for the offense, it's definitely not good there. Uh, but also, you know, you go back, you have Ajay Hall suspended for uh, trying to break a boot off of UT, uh, that UT parking put on his car. <laughs> uh suspended indefinitely wasn't practicing last night wasn't i didn't even see him on the field so now all of a sudden wide receiver uh it's testing that depth you know this was thought to be the strongest position on the team it may still be maybe right with running back uh but that depth is now being tested and some other it yeah man i see you shaking your head it's one of those like oh we're all just you know trying to find the good news uh coming out of this this scrimmage and I don't think yesterday was like a bad day for, for Texas. It was just another practice day, but a lot of people were just, uh, you know, pretty crazy, not crazy, but uh, pretty like overreactionary to practice thinking like, Oh no, what's going on. And maybe didn't see what they wanted to see, but the news from the weekend scrimmage wasn't great. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin. First of all, Ajay Hall should not have been suspended. He should have been elevated to team captain. Okay. The UT parking patrol, Whatever the hell we're supposed to call those guys are nightmares. Uh, we experienced it as students. We've experienced it as members of the media. Like those guys are absolutely ridiculous. And you can't leave your car for 30 seconds without getting a ticket and or a boot. So uh, I, I get why he was suspended. I mean, he broke the law. He ended up going to jail. So I guess you have to do something if you're Steve Sarkeesian. But for me, that shows me that a Jai Hall is a leader taking matters into his own hands, trying to make things better for himself. Anybody who goes against UT campus police or the parking patrol uh, is fine with me. But yeah, in terms of the wide receiver room, like Nayor was supposed to be huge, man. And my goodness, every report we've heard from him since spring has been super positive, super glowing. And you felt like Texas had one of the better one-two punches in the country, like not just in the Big 12, but in the country with Xavier Worthy, what we saw from him last year and what Nayor was expected to do. But even without him, you still have names, right? You still have Jordan Whittington, former five-star. We know his injury history, but like, can he really take that step we've all been waiting for for four years now? Uh, what about Troy O'Meary? Does he still exist? Speaking of injury history, like, my God, every time he practices, he's a dude, he's a beast, he's a problem, but he can never be healthy by the time we get to the start of the regular season. So maybe finally something from him, Tariq Milton, the transfer from Iowa State, like he, he knows this conference, he's a decent player. So you do have some depth there, but man, uh, Joe, you and I, I think are both in agreement. We feel like this team is going to be so heavily reliant on its offense. And Bijan's the best player. Like the most important thing is to make sure you have a good running game because that takes pressure off everybody. But it feels to me like this is a team that's going to have to outscore people. And when you lose skill position players, when you lose the weapons uh, like Isaiah Nayor, it's going to make life a little bit more difficult for everybody. So you've got depth, but it, it still does feel like a pretty big blow to what this offense was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at receiver, you got to start mixing and matching a little bit. You you had this idea that Xavier Worthy was going to be field. Nayor was going to be boundary and, and Whittington was going to be slot. Uh, C. Sarkeesian's not as rigid to receiver roles as, as Tom Herman was. He'll move them around. So you'll still see X at X. Uh, you may see Whittington at X. I mean, that, they did a little bit of that yesterday, but it's going to cause guys, like you said, Milton. He got a lot of snaps with the ones 
last night at the open practice. Uh, Savion Red is someone who, you know, one of the lower rated guys in this class, a late flip, I think, from SMU. Um, he's someone that that has impressed not only in open periods, but just with how he works so far. Uh, and he may be a uh, think of Devin Duvernay without the speed, uh, which is still a good, good player, you know, kind of a running back out there. Um, it's going to ask Brennan Thompson to maybe go ahead and see the field earlier with his speed. And he had a touchdown catcher too yesterday and relying on some of these younger guys or guys who may not have this full grasp of Steve Sarkeesian's offense is something that is going to take some adjustment, not just from them, but from the coaches. Sarkeesian even mentioned it the other day that, you know, I like guys who know what we're doing, how to do it and why. He said, you know what, I can maybe look past the why part if I need to get some guys on the field uh, as long as they know what to do and how to do it. So um, you may see, uh, you know, some more uh, younger guys there, but I definitely think Tariq Milton and also Brennan Thompson and Savion Red, they're going to get their chances. But you're definitely still going to be relying on Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington to to do the the yeoman's work. And like you said, yeah, you're you feel pretty good about the run game. quarterback we'll get into later tight end you feel good about what Jatavian Sanders and then Billingsley maybe as the second guy behind them you have Helm and then Juan Davis maybe as the second guy stuff like that you feel good about that position uh it's just you know mixing and matching at wide receiver is going to become the the uh, order of business here and figuring out who fits into those roles yeah, let me ask you about the offensive line because, look, I've seen a lot of people downplay the injury to Junior Angelau, and you said it perfectly at the start of the podcast, right? Like, he's he's not a great player, but y- you know what you're getting from him. He's got over 30 starts under his belt, so he, he felt like just a solid anchor on that Texas offensive line, somebody at least you knew what you were getting with. Uh, he's out now. He's out for the season. What is this offensive line going to look like? Like, that was already a major question. We know the big-time freshman class that Steve Sarkeesian brought in, but – it scares me at any position to worry about true freshmen playing. It really scares me in the trenches when you're relying on those guys. But uh, does the Angelau injury mean that you might have two, maybe three freshmen starting week one on the O-line? I think you have one at left tackle for sure. And I think you may have another one when he gets back from uh, some some health problems with Cole Hudson. Uh, the thing is with uh, uh, Angulau is he was getting reps at center. And he's a big guy, 6'6", I think 320. Uh, kind of the same size, not the same quality of play, but the same size as someone like Landon Dickerson, who uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood both put at guard way back in the day uh, and center uh, eventually, especially on those national title on that 2020 national title team, I believe. Um, so, you know, he, they liked him at center experience, big human, knew the calls and stuff like that. And he was getting good reps there now that he's out. Here's the thing. Your, your backup plan is Jake Majors, who may not be the – perfect fit for what Kyle Flood wants at center body type wise, but you know what type of play you're going to get. You don't have to break in someone brand new at that position. Jake Majors has been a center since he got on campus and has looked, you know, he's had times when he's looked pretty darn good doing it. Um, As far as the other spots, you know, Hayden Connor, I think has solidified himself as one of the, uh, the guards, especially now that junior Angulao is out for the year. Kelvin Banks is going to be left tackle starter. I think everybody's wanted to believe that and will that into existence. And it's not taking it being willed into existence. He's just the best left tackle on the team. When you the competition is Jalen Garth and Andre Karich, who have had their problems health and otherwise over the past couple of years, he's taken the spot and he got a lot of first team run uh, with the ones Cole Hudson competing at right guard. Uh, once he comes back 
from health. Uh, probably still be there. But DJ Campbell, Devon Campbell, uh, was getting first-string reps at right guard. And, again, that was the number 12 player in the country last year, uh, according to the on-three consensus. Right tackles Christian Jones. And I think there's some desire to see Cam Williams there right away, uh, the, the massive Duncanville freshman. Uh, but Christian Jones, for all his problems at left tackle, he's okay at right tackle. Is he better than Cam Williams? We'll see. And, and you and I both know it's all about getting a group of six to eight to feel comfortable going in and, and playing. Mm-hmm. I feel like the you know simple math, when you have seven to 16 guys in that room as freshmen, going to dictate that a lot of freshmen probably play but when they have the talent like some of these guys do and the the frame that kyle flood prefers probably going to see them in a little bit sooner rather than later yeah something to follow for sure i mean you feel like whatever five you throw out there against ulm you're not going to have too many problems right you're going to be able to dominate them but we all know who looms week two and that's yeah. as tough of a test as you could possibly get now you don't close the book on individuals or the whole group as a unit if Alabama comes into Austin and dominates them. They do that to just about everybody, but uh, they will be tested very, very early on. Um, You want to get into quarterbacks? Yes. Yeah, I'd love to hear. I mean, I saw what you guys were reporting on Inside Texas, both from Saturday and some of what y'all had, some of what you had from last night. But, uh, man, where where are we at with this quarterback competition right now? It's still a competition. That That's the long and short of it. Uh, I think even Steve Sarkeesian mentioned, I think, on Monday – for this uh, fan appreciation practice as like, you know what, we're going to be vanilla because yeah, we're showing what we have been working on to all these Longhorn fans and even the media, but who knows if uh, some university of uh, Louisiana Monroe connected guy or Alabama connected guy uh, made their way to the stands. They didn't want to show anything too much. It was a lot of pretty basic, basic as far as Sarkeesian goes stuff, not much motion, not anything like that. Uh, so you have you you add that to uh the the whole scenario um and the defense has a good expectation of what they're seeing it wasn't live tackling uh they were fully padded but it wasn't live tackling um but anyway that's all to say the quarterbacks threw a few picks yesterday and some and they also made some good throws Quinn Ewers had some good right in the bucket touchdown throws one in you know past double coverage one to a zooming uh Brandon Thompson um Hudson Card even made a few throws that were pretty solid um but I don't think any one quarterback really stood out as way way better I think Ewers may have had the better day uh I think Card had the safe day and that's kind of how it is at this point Steve Sarkeesian has talked a lot about how he probably wanted this year to be uh or this year he wanted to name a starter a little bit earlier than he did last year last year he named Hudson Card the week before the Louisiana Lafayette game this year he wanted to probably do it after one, maybe even two scrimmages. And, uh, you know, here he is still having not been able to name a starter because neither has really separated themselves. He said it himself. They're close. Uh, they're great working together. And I think for a lot of fans who wanted to see Quinn Ewers come in and take the job, he hadn't done that yet. Uh, part of that's on Quinn, just his play and, uh, you know, understanding that still us understanding he's still a red shirt freshman, probably should be a true freshman. Part of that's on Hudson Card. You know, I know he had a really bad beginning of the year last year when it came to Arkansas and had his ups and downs, but you can get better. Doesn't mean he's going to become a great player or his ceiling is anywhere near as high as Quinn Ewers because we don't think that to be the case, but you can get better. It's possible. And uh, he, he obviously has done that and has played to a certain point to where Quinn Ewers hasn't pulled away. 
and I guess Card hasn't pulled away either. Uh, but here we are, still 15 days in the camp, still have a competition. So two texts I've gotten in the last week regarding the Texas quarterback competition. I want you to answer both of these questions, Joe. And you might have just answered one of them already. But I got a text yesterday from a buddy, Longhorn grad, who said, should we be concerned about Quinn Ewers not being named the starter yet? Uh, we know the bit last year, but – You've talked about it. You just mentioned it. Sark's talked about it time and time again. He wants to name a quarterback before he named a quarterback last season. Should we be concerned as Texas football fans that neither of the guys, but mainly Quinn Ewers, because I think most fans, if not every fan, wants to see Quinn Ewers as the guy, just based on what we saw from Hudson Card last year and based on the recruiting prowess uh, surrounding Quinn Ewers. But should we be concerned, should Texas fans be concerned that we don't have an announcement yet? I don't think concern is the right choice of words i think the way to put it is probably hmm i don't think it's concerned because it's like that, that kind of makes it sound like oh no he sucks and, and he doesn't i i think uh it just like i said it illustrates that he hasn't done enough quite yet to to go ahead and and take the the reign of the job and we even wrote it inside texas you know he's getting extra work in after practice with with aj milwee and and his uh wide receivers and stuff like that like He's he's making an effort to to do it. Probably needs a little bit better effort, and that's what the the point of those uh, practice sessions are. Concerns not the right word, but I think it just illustrates that he has room to to go and room to grow. Uh, like I said, he should be a true freshman right now. He wasn't a finished product, still a great prospect, but he's got room to grow. Um, and that growth may be the thing that leads him into the starting quarterback job. Yeah, I'm pretty concerned. I'm not concerned that Sark hasn't made an announcement yet. Like, I figured it wasn't going to come this early, but like, I'm concerned that the reports aren't, oh, Quinn Ewers is clearly the better guy. Quinn Ewers is clearly head and shoulders above Hudson Card. Like, I know he should be a true freshman, but but he's not. Like, he got a year of working with Ryan Day in Ohio State. Now, he wasn't the number one guy, so he wasn't getting the attention from Ryan Day, and he wasn't getting to throw to – Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave and all those dudes all the time. But like, I just, with the grade that he got on the recruiting trail and the fact that eh, he was in a really good offensive system at one of the best programs in the country, I was hoping he'd be a little bit further along. Uh, look, I, I don't give a damn how he practices. If he goes out there and balls out on Saturdays when we get to the fall, okay, all good. None of that stuff's going to matter to me at all, but yeah, I don't love that we uh we don't have the reports that uh, Quinn Ewers is clearly the better guy right now. All right, the other question. This one is from an OU grad. Do you think there's a chance Hudson Card gets sacrificed against Bama and then it's Ewers the rest of the way? No, I, I think that's kind of – I mean, I think that's fan fiction. Like, to be honest, I think the whole idea of, like, gamer versus practicer is, is a little bit of fan fiction. I think – Everybody remembers James Brown and wants to believe that happened, but he was last at Texas 26 years ago. And I don't think that's something that really applies. And I don't think it's something that coaches believe. Uh, you don't, you don't have bad habits and bad practices and go out and do well in games. You do well in practice to go out and do well in games. Uh, that one thing leads to the next. You can't just loaf and then expect to go do well. Maybe the performances aren't exactly the same, uh, but you know, you don't set yourself up for success on the game field by not being successful on the practice field. Sure. Um, the other thing, I think that's the same way. I, I don't see why you would, if you're going to sacrifice someone, that means you don't think he's as good or something like that. Like you think you're, you're just kind of 
throwing them out there to protect somebody else who you may think is better. Like, I, I don't get that. If you think he's better, then why wouldn't you want to play him against the number one team in the country? Uh, I think like that's one of the, 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 I think that's another, like, you know, same thing. If you think, uh, if you think that Kelvin Banks is better, yeah, going against Will Anderson and Dallas Turner is going to probably suck for him, but don't <laughs> protect him and therefore hamper your team by maybe putting Andre Carriage out there if he doesn't, if Andre Carriage is your second best tackle. You know, play your best players. Play your best players. I, I don't know why that's ever been a question. Play your best players who show over the course of all the data that is available to coaches, which is practice and scrimmages recent practices and scrimmages using that data whoever is the best should be on the start who should be starting at any spot and there shouldn't be any other consideration whether it be nil experience all that stuff uh no other consideration matters more than who is the better player with the data available and i don't think there should be any protecting uh if they believe that you know quinn ewers is better i don't think you should protect him uh, by not playing him. That kind of, I would think, would ding his psyche and confidence from thinking like, look, you're great, uh, but we don't think you can cut it against this team, so we're going to bench you. Like, yeah, I just don't get that. That's pretty much exactly what I told him. Uh, I'm with you 100%. And look, Sark is going into that Alabama game with the expectation that Texas is going to win. At least I would think that's his plan. I mean, I, that's not my expectation by any stretch of the imagination, but you got to go into every game thinking you've got a shot to win. And that's why you got to put your best 22 out there as often as you possibly can. So, yeah, I think that'll be Sark's plan. My buddy texted me that. I think a couple of other Texas fans, just based off your response, it sounds like you've heard that maybe on the forums on uh, Inside Texas kind of being bandied about. But uh, I'm with you. Whoever wins the job should start week one. They should start week two. And like we said last year, the hope is whoever wins the job starts all 12 games. Like the musical chairs that Texas played a season ago, not good. They went five and seven. That goes without saying. You want the guy who wins the job to be the guy for all 12 games, including the easy ones and including Alabama week two. Hopefully that can actually come to fruition this year. What other positions are on your mind? Or, uh, you know, what what else from uh, Texas camp is, is on your mind? I don't think we really need to get much into ULM quite yet. Because uh, as much as I appreciate Terry Bowden talking to me a couple times on the record over the course of the offseason, this is uh, not the Louisiana system school that's going to be good. That's uh, Louisiana Lafayette last year. Uh, this is a cupcake. This is the this is the cupcake game. Uh, so I don't think we really need to worry about that. Although they do have a player named Boogie Knight, which is pretty cool. That is awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, what What else coming from camps on your mind? I think there's one thing uh, worth mentioning Okay, is that Cameron Dicker is not long, no longer on the Texas roster. And that may be decisive. That may decide a game or two this year because the competition right now appears to be between uh, Burt Auburn, who I think is from Flower Mound, been on the roster a couple of years, has in-game kicking experience last year uh walk on i believe and will stone who went to regent school in austin um funny thing i've seen people call it saint regents and i don't think there's a saint regent <laughs> yeah i've <laughs> so never heard of that i'm I jewish so i wouldn't know but I've, I've never heard of that guy i think it's i think it's regent school uh <laughs> left left footed big leg uh but he's a freshman and 
you know, freshman kickers are college. You're not only are they college kickers, they're freshmen. So, uh, and even during the practice last night, they got a, uh, they got a couple opportunities. Um, they combined to go three for seven, uh, a couple doinks off the upright, which I guess if you're going to miss, okay, but it's a pretty binary process. You either make it or you miss it. Kicking is going to be a, a huge, huge thing to, to watch this year because you don't have Cameron Dicker booming it out of the end zone every time, which I think you and I both agree that's the right approach. Don't try and play this whole like, oh, but what if we stop him on the 18? Like, <laughs> don't don't risk the injury. Don't risk six points. Don't risk 50 yards. Like, just make them go 75 yards. That's it's. I mean, you wish they still had to go 80 yards, but – Make him go 75. Um, I don't know if Texas has a guy who can do that. I think Lance St. Louis probably – no, Will Stone. I got to get that right. Will Stone. Lance St. Louis is a snapper. We'll get to that in a second. But I think the the competition between Will Stone, uh, Burt Auburn, and even Gabe Lozano, who went to Westlake, that could be something that determines the outcome of a game or two this year. Yeah, I think fans appreciated Cameron Dicker because he was in the news a lot because he had a number of game-winning kicks, a number of clutch kicks that got Texas out of bad situations and and won them a few ball games. So I think Dicker the kicker was pretty appreciated during his time in Austin. But, yeah, if these guys continue to struggle the way they did last night, then I think Cameron Dicker will be appreciated even more because, look, he wasn't the best kicker in college football, but more often than not, he would make them. He was relatively consistent uh, with these guys. Yeah, we're talking about what? Redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, and freshman competing for these jobs right now. You mentioned Mm -hmm. Auburn has some in-game experience, but not a lot. The other two guys I don't think have any college experience in games. So that's something to watch for sure. And uh, Look, even though Texas was five and seven last year, if you watched them, you know they played in some close games. So every point is going to matter, and uh, they should be playing in more close games this year. So, yeah, that is uh, that is something to look out for for sure. Now, what's what's the issue with the long snapper? You uh, you raised my eyebrows with talking about Lance St. Louis. Everything good there? Yeah, but he's a freshman. Yeah, and I think uh, shout out Justin Mater, who was flawless for four years. Uh, he's not on the roster either. Um, and, and punter Cameron Dicker is not on the roster anymore. Although I, I have faith in, in, uh, Michael, well, not Michael Pearson, Isaac Pearson. Um, he's had, you know, you didn't, we didn't see any shanks on the red river in our viewing portions. Um, and, and everything (laughs) has, has looked pretty good so far, uh, for Isaac Pearson. So I think we'll be fine. I think the horns will be fine at punter. Uh, but you know, Jeff Banks and, uh, there's a, a, assistant coach. I forget his name. I think it's I forget, but there's a kicking specific coach uh, on the roster, on the coaching staff in this analyst group. They've got to get this down because it's important. So um, I want to be talking about Jeff Banks in a positive light this year. I don't want pole assassin stories. I don't want monkey stories. I want to actually like be able to praise what he's doing on the field with Texas. Cause man, I mean, that was one of the guys that I was most excited about when he followed Sark over to Austin. And a lot of people I think were excited about Jeff Banks because of his resume and what he'd been able to put together. Uh, hopefully we get to see a little bit more short up special teams uh, this season. Hopefully we get a, why not both? We're not good monkey stories and <laughs> special teams. Hey, I won't say no to that. That's fine. We're always looking for content. So uh, I'll take it. Absolutely. Uh, what about defensive line? So I think the most intriguing thing I've seen is it's uh, I think it's pretty certain that Ovia Gofu is going to grab a starting spot. 
Um, and it looks like at this point, a lot of run with the ones at defensive tackle. Alfred Collins, we've reported inside Texas, probably going to be out for a few weeks. And that's even before, you know, even before that, he was, you know, still running with the threes. Um, I think a lot of the first team line has been uh, Byron Murphy and Vernon Broughton playing the two in that two, four, five. So um, the the thing about uh, Baron Sorrell, who is probably going to be that strong signed end, we'll see if he's going to be on the field a lot because I don't know if that position itself will be on the field. Uh, they may deploy a, a third interior defensive lineman type uh, instead of a, a defensive end because I don't know if they have the defensive end they're looking for right now. Um, at, le- at least for you know that role, they may have to rely on a tackle to manufacture depth there a little bit. Uh, but what do you think about Byron Murphy and Vernon Broughton being guys who are leading the way? I, I Murphy, perfect. I think everybody wanted that move from the start. Uh, Broughton was a highly rated guy, and now he seems like he's starting to you know get some chances to uh, make some waves with the first team. Yeah, I love what I'm hearing about Byron Murphy. I mean, didn't Keandre Coburn compare him to Aaron Donald? last year i think a lot of people compare him to aaron donald just because he's you know 60300 i don't know if he's if he moves like that but i mean hey that that'd be something right there nobody's aaron donald that goes without saying but if you're even getting compared to him whether it's ridiculous or not that that feels like a good sign and yeah he wasn't really super highly touted on the recruiting trail and it sounds like he's making an impact and has a shot to start or at least contribute a lot right away so hopefully uh we get some flashes of greatness from Byron Murphy this year. You said it about Vernon Broughton. Like I think most Texas fans were pretty pumped when he decided to commit to Texas because he was a pretty highly touted recruit, really talented high school player in the state. So uh, it took a little bit longer than some people wanted, but everybody's got a different timeline, right? Like some guys can adjust to the college game week one, freshman year, and boom, they're good to go. Some guys, it takes time, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, some guys, it takes a little bit of time for them to really come into their own and uh, become co- a solid college player. So hopefully Vernon Broughton, uh, can be that guy now in his third year, right? Redshirt sophomore for Broughton. Do I have that right? Yeah, class of 2020. So, okay. yeah, redshirt so yeah, third sophomore. Year. So, hopefully, yeah, hopefully this is the time where he sort of takes that step this year. I mean, look, you could really say this about just about every position room that Texas has. Like, on paper, there's some talent there, okay? And, and Tom Herman, for all of his faults, did a pretty good job recruiting quantity and quality on the defensive front. So, there are some leftover guys from his era that should be good. Like, I've wanted more from Keandre Coburn. I've wanted more from Moro Ojimo. I've wanted more from Alfred Collins, especially. My goodness, you want to talk about getting excited when somebody committed. That was, I thought Austin was going to have a parade uh, once that guy decided to uh, put pen to paper and come to Texas. There are guys there. And it's just, it, it feels like whether it was the last coaching staff, this coaching staff, they're not being developed. Stop me if you've heard that before. Uh, but it does feel like on paper, this defensive line has some room to take a step and be much more impactful than they were last year because, I mean, they were damn near the bottom in every defensive line category, like sacks, pass, ru- uh, pass rush, win rate, win rate kind of stuff to say. Uh, obviously gave up a crap ton of points, gave up a crap ton of rushing yards too. So yeah, the D-line, needless to say, has to get better this season. It feels like they've got the bodies to do it, but we're going to have to uh, actually see it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, <clears throat> moving back on the defense, I think linebacker, it seems steady. I mean, between uh, DeMarvin Overshone and Jalen Ford, who also had an interception at yesterday's practice, it, it seems steady. Uh, we'll see what happens behind them. But behind them, I, and I think one of the uh, interesting storylines of camp is just how well Diamante Tucker Dorsey has been. Uh, I thought, honestly, when I saw 
even though he's an FCS All-American, even though, you know, he's played a lot of football, I saw him. I'm like, you know what? This is probably Luke Brockermeyer insurance. Uh, <laughs> this is someone who, uh, uh, you know, is going to be, hopefully he's he's there for good depth. And if he gets something, becomes something else, then great. Uh, but he seemed, you know, pretty similar to that. He's not, this is a guy who, though undersized, he's, he seems more like Gary Johnson than Luke Brockermeyer. And Gary Johnson had unique speed, uh, especially at that position. I'm not saying Tucker Dorsey has that, but this guy just has football know-how, it sounds like, and is making a lot of different plays uh, and giving, you know, Texas some uh, opportunity uh, to, you know, use linebacker in, uh, in a little bit different way, and he's definitely part of the reason why. Are you saying he's been a diamond, Joe? A diamante in the rough? Yeah, yeah there like we go. There like we go. That. I'll be honest, like I, I didn't think too much of this transfer. And I don't think a lot of Texas fans thought too much of this transfer. I think the Brockermeyer insurance comp is, is pretty good. Like I, I don't think a ton of people, maybe even the coaching staff, if you gave them true serum, had super high hopes for this guy. But the fact that I just keep hearing his name, I mean, you're around the program more than I do, uh, than I am. But the fact that I just keep hearing this guy's name and he continues to make an impact, despite this being his first year playing anywhere close to this level of football, is really cool. So hopefully he can be that versatile piece that Gary Johnson type where hey, he might not have all of the measurables, all the physical gifts that some of the other guys have, but he can be a smart football player who makes things happen on the field. So, I mean, James Madison is a great FCS program, right? Like they're always making deep playoff runs. So it's they're not FBS like, now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's not like this guy is coming from just a random podunk small town that like they go two and 10 every year and, and that's what you get. Like he's, he's been coached up pretty well, I would think. And he's gone up against some decent competition in those deep playoff runs that uh, the Dukes have made. So uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it happens, man. Hopefully once again, these reports translate to the actual season because it, uh, it sounds like Texas maybe found something with one of their less heralded additions this off season. That'd be something. And the other guy who, uh, let's see, I mean, trying to think of other spots that are, that are pretty intriguing, uh, corner i think ryan watts is going to be someone who who does a lot for this team uh and honestly i don't want the dylan haynes comps to start because i think that's there's a certain stigma that happens when you mention dylan haynes and his play definitely led that showed that on the field michael taff is going to get some playing time i feel like i and this is someone who has <laughs> intercepted quinn ewers quite a few times was a two-time uh state championship game defensive MVP. Um, I think he had a few offers even from some non Ivy league schools uh, getting him is, you know, you always want to make your walk on program really strong because yeah, you may get a, a guy who jumps up and earns a scholarship every now and then and earns playing time. But these are the guys who are always going to be the ones going against your team every single week. Um, and so seeing him, you know, this is someone who definitely uh, had some offers out of high school, looking it up. Now he had a, uh, Brown and Colgate, and I think he jumped at that Texas walk-on opportunity. And he may be the guy right behind um, – uh, oh, gosh, Jade Barron at star. Um, Jalen Gilbo also doing some good work at star too. But Michael Taff is someone who's going to play some football this year. So I was going to ask about Jade Barron because he's another one of those guys who is hurt right now mm -hmm. and maybe that injury lingers into the regular season it felt like he had taken control of that star position so who replaces today baron if he's going to have to miss some time could it be michael taff it could be michael taff wow. we'll see what we'll see what happens with uh jalen gilbo and you know maybe they move uh some of the other safeties around 
Uh, but Star is a pretty tough spot. They do, they're asked to do a lot of different things. And uh, Taff is someone uh, respected in the locker room for a lot of different reasons. And his play on the field is definitely part of it, too. It, sca- so. it scares me, man. It scares I, me. Understandably so. Uh, you know, mostly, unless, you know, there's the peak, which is Hunter Renfro. You go down a little bit, there's <laughs> Luke Brockermeyer. Or, okay. And not, that's not to disparage him, but that's just kind of the quality you get. You can get Hunter Renfro, who's a pro. You can get Dylan Haynes, who's a four-year starter. You can get Luke Brockermeyer, who was kind of thrown into a punt, a pinch, and performed okay. Didn't perform great, but you, you kind of see, like, you run the gamut of possibilities with the walk-ons, and normally they're towards the lower end of the scale, not guys like Renfro. And that's not to say anything bad about Luke Brockermeyer. I respect the heck out of what he did and and maybe not the best situation for him last year. Uh, but you're looking for guys to, you know, step up from that spot from the scholarship ranks. Who's the last real impact walk on the Longhorns have had? Why, why, why do I know, not know the answer to this? Has there been anybody who's been like, I mean, a lot of them have played, right? Brockermeyer is yeah, one of the Chet guys. Bush too, Bush. But... Yeah. I mean, there have been a probably Dylan Haynes. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if I was forgetting anybody, but He's the one, and anytime you get that Haynes comparison, like you said, it uh, gives Longhorn fans PTSD, without yeah. question. <sighs> we'll see, though. I don't think uh, they're going to be relying too much on walk-on ranks going forward at this point. So, anything else? We're uh, we're running short on time a little bit, uh, but we hit basically most of the positions, most of the storyline of camp. Anything else you got? No, I think that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week talking more camp, maybe giving an update on recruiting too. Is, uh, some of that's still going on as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, but it's close. It's right around the corner. We can taste it. Football season is finally here, and it's a beautiful thing. Hopefully the scrimmage last Saturday, not a premonition, not foreshadowing of what's to come for the Longhorns. Uh, we'll see, obviously, what happens when they kick off on September 3rd. All right, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at josephcook89. Check out the great work he does over at insidetexas.com. Subscribe over there if you haven't already. If you haven't, you're missing out. Just do it. It's a great gift for you, great gift for any Longhorn fan in your life. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Kellner. Listen to The Wheelhouse every afternoon from 3 to 7 on ESPN Houston. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, too, if you'd be so kind. Thank you all again for watching. For Joe Cook, I'm BK Brad Kellner. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy. And hook them.